welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and we are here to talk about tips and strategies that you can employ to deepen your faith, improve your relationships, and just get the most out of your life. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Okay, today we're going to talk about how to resolve conflicts. When we say conflicts, we mean division. We're talking about relationships that you have where you and the other person have become worlds apart. Unfortunately, this happens all the time. Sometimes it happens in families where somebody said something or did something and the people are driven apart and now they don't talk to one another or they're not cordial or kind. Sometimes it happens in the church. I really hate to say that, but even among God's people, there is some backbiting and devouring and division. And I know for sure that that is not what God wants. God does not want family members to be at odds. He wants them to be supportive and spiritual. God built the body of Christ to be one and unified, and it does not serve God's body when we are divided and at odds with one another. So we're going to talk about some practical ways, five simple tips that can help you maybe mend those divisions. Now, just a quick reminder, a few weeks ago, we did episode number 22, Zipping the Jacket. And this is in the same vein as that. I would say that that's dealing with milder conflicts, maybe married people who are at odds with each other right now. They're not able to get on the same page. They have trouble being productive. Instead, it turns into an argument. How can we make that better? Well, back in episode 22, we said, hey, just get together, sit down, and establish some common interest. What do we agree on? What are some things that we both consider valuable? Get some yes, yes going and see if that can give you some momentum into getting back on the same page. But today is a little bit different. Sometimes it's just, well, it just feels too far gone. We don't talk anymore, and I couldn't even imagine us sitting down and talking about anything. We are so different that there's just no way we could even get the first piece of the jacket together. What I'm telling you is there are some things we can do to try to make that better, And I know it'll be a big challenge. This may be one of the hardest things you do this week is reaching out or engaging this person in a way that is hopeful and can rebuild that relationship. But I know that every effort you make in that vein aligns with what God teaches in the New Testament, which says very plainly that so far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. So let's talk about that. So far as it depends on you, What can you do to resolve even the most dramatic and epic conflicts? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to figure out some tips that can help by studying an epic and dramatic conflict. Do you remember in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 32, the story of Jacob and Esau? Jacob and Esau were at odds from birth. Immediately, before they even knew who they were, There was division in their house. The mother favored Jacob. The father favored his firstborn, Esau. When they grew up, they were at odds on things. They took advantage of one another. Do you remember when Esau was hungry and Jacob asked him to trade in his birthright for a bowl of red stew, and he did? And there was certainly conflict and controversy related to that. When it came time to receive the blessing... Jacob's mother helps him deceive Jacob's father in order to steal that birthright from his brother. 
How do you think that went over? Not well. In fact, Jacob leaves before his brother can chase him down. For 20 years, you want to talk about conflict? You say, well, I don't know. What I've experienced and what's happened with me, I just don't know if I can ever see that coming back together. Well, envision this. Division in the family, partiality, all kinds of anger, and now 20 years Jacob has been out of town. Both men have grown up, they've started their families, and after 20 years, God tells Jacob, go home. Go back. Go back to your father, your mother, and your brother. And I'm sure Jacob had a lot of reasons why he did not want to do that, but he had one reason to do it. It's what God told him to do. It was God's mission for his future. And I'm convinced that it might be the case for you and for me as well, that we're able to do everything we can to get together and become a support for one another, especially if the other person is wrong, especially if they're struggling, especially if they may have to answer to God eternally for this. We need to do what we can to fix this situation for their sake. Now, there's one thing I want to tell you before I show you the strategy that Jacob employed when he returned to his brother, and that's really where we're going today. There is not a lot of assigning blame in this story. The truth is, I wouldn't know where to put the blame. I think you could blame Jacob's mother. I think that there's blame to be given to Jacob's father, some of the partiality and conflict that they had. I'm sure that I could lay some at Jacob's feet, and Esau made mistakes as well. When we talk about resolving a conflict, we cannot look back and relive the conflict. That's not how you resolve it. We can't re-argue who's right and who's wrong. We can't take time and re-justify why I did what I did and why you should not have done what you have done. So often when I sit with people who are at odds and we talk about what can we do to put it back together, We spend the next half of an hour reliving every mistake that got made and why it's the other person's fault. Let me just shortcut this for you. No matter what conflict you have in your life, you're pretty sure it's their fault and they're pretty sure it's your fault. So if we go back into arguing that, it's only going to make the divide wider. We have to forget what lies behind. Problems, mistakes, got it. We're not looking backwards, we're looking forwards. So if there are relationships in your life that you hope get better, just remember that reliving the past, re-arguing your position, and re-justifying things is going to do nothing for anyone. We have to figure out how to go forward. And that's what Jacob did, and he did it in a really interesting way, and I want to share that with you. So here are five things. I'm not sure how many of them will be useful for you today, but I suspect several of them could have some immediate implementation, and probably you can start employing them even today. In fact, a couple of them you can start right now. The first thing I want you to think about is in Genesis 32 verses 1 and 2. Jacob is on his way back. He hasn't met with Esau yet. None of the strategies we're going to talk about has he really put into place yet. And yet on the way back, angels of God meet him. And Jacob, when he saw these angels, he said, this is is God's camp. So he named the place Mahanaim, and that means two camps. And I don't think he means there's my camp on my side, Jacob, and there's Esau's camp on the other side. No, I think something else is happening here. 
I think what Jacob is realizing is God is here. God is with him. This is not just me and my people and my position. This is also God and God's people and God's presence. One of the big mistakes we make in conflict is acting like it's just me and them and my side and their side. Listen to me carefully. This is God's camp. God is here. Angels are around us. God is with us. And guess what? God's over there on their side too. God cares about me and my people and my heart. God cares about the other person. He is with them and he wants them to do well also. So here's the first thing. This is just a mental exercise. If you are at genuine odds with someone, just remember that God is here. And God made them and God made you. And at some point, it's time to recognize his presence and do things because you live in his camp, not because you're defending your own. Okay, so then it came time to do something practical. The truth is, I think Jacob was scared of just walking up to Esau and trying to hug his neck. I mean, he didn't know how Esau was going to respond. 20 years of division is a long time, and they left things on an extremely sour note. So in Genesis chapter 32, in verses 3 through 5, the Bible says that Jacob sent messengers. He didn't go in cold. He sent messengers to tell his brother that he's doing well and that he doesn't want anything from Esau, and really he's seeking resolution. He wants to be at peace. And I just think there's a lot of wisdom in this, finding some delegate, somebody who cares about you, somebody who feels comfortable going to them, to go in between and just let them know that you're looking to make things better express your heart to them through an intermediary or someone who can help. I was thinking about people that I've been at odds with in the past, where it felt impossible to just go face them. I didn't know what they were going to say, or I just wasn't courageous enough. But maybe we share a mutual friend, somebody who cares about both of us. And maybe they can go in on my behalf and say, look, Chris and I were talking the other day. He just wants to meet with you, and he just wants to make sure everything's okay. And would it be okay if you guys just met and talked a little bit? In some cases, this is a very wise way to approach it. It feels out how they are, and maybe they'll open up to that person, and that person can report back, you know, the best road forward. If it's among your family, you should be able to find a family member who cares about both of you, who can maybe take your message and just pave the way a little bit. If it's about an issue in the church, you can go to someone in a leadership role in that church and you can say, I would like to go talk to this person. Would you mind just chatting with them about this and seeing if they would be open to that? You say, well, that's kind of a cop out. You should just go over there and sit down with them and talk. Well, look, yeah, sometimes you just go zip the jacket, but sometimes too many things have been said, too many assumptions have been made, we've both become too defensive, and you need someone to help pull you together. So think about that as a strategy this week if you want to rebuild a relationship. Okay, so here's the third thing. Before he got to his brother, he prayed He prayed to God in Genesis 32, verses 9 through 12, O God of my father Abraham. He prayed a constructive, courageous prayer. He talked about God's promises to him. He spoke humbly about the things that God had done for him. He asked for deliverance from his brother Esau, and he asked by name. 
being prayerful throughout the process of resolution is crucial to resolution because number one, it recognizes that God has a part in this and God is present for this. And number two, it asks for his help, his providential care, his guidance, his hand. And look, guarantee, if there's been real conflict and division between you and somebody else, somebody forgot about God's hand and all of that. And that's why the division happened. Prayer is welcoming God back into the picture and just praying for his protection and praying for him to be honored by everything that happens next. Okay, so there are five things, and those are the first three. Recognize God's presence. Consider employing someone to help begin the reconnection and be extremely prayerful along the way. Here's the fourth thing. The Bible says in Genesis 32, quote, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And I mean, Jacob went all in with the peace offering. The Bible says he took 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 12 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He delivered them into the hands of the servants, and the servants brought some in the first effort, and then a second drove comes in with more, and then the rest of them come in in that third wave. What is Jacob doing here? He's putting a very tangible, visible, measurable value on how important this resolution is to him. He's showing Esau, I'm not coming to get something from you. This is not about me. In fact, to show that, I'd like to give you some things. I don't know if you've thought about this lately, but being willing to give a gift, something kind, something thoughtful, to give to them, to send to them, to show that you care about them, is a great way to start mending a relationship, to soften their heart. If their heart can be softened, banana pudding will get it done. Well, I don't I mean, that would work for me. I love banana pudding. Though I guess now, if someone sends that to me this week, it means we are in conflict and need to make it right. Which again, I'm okay with as long as the bananas are fresh. Anyway, the point is this, gifts soften people. And maybe you think, well, I gave them something. I wrote them something. I tried to do something and they rejected it. Well, send them something else. And wait a little while and send them something else. It is an important way of showing how selfless we are trying to be about this resolution. And then comes our fifth and final thing. Now think about this. So far, Jacob has recognized the presence of God. He has sent messengers to prepare the way. He has prayed through the entirety of the journey. He has sent gifts. He's done a lot. And yet when it finally became time to be face-to-face with Esau, here's what the Bible says. He bowed down to the ground seven times. As Esau saw Jacob approaching, and remember, there was blame to go around. Esau made mistakes. Jacob made mistakes. Their parents made mistakes. Jacob isn't justifying. He's not defending. He's not deflecting. He bows down. He comes a little bit forward. He bows down again. He comes forward. He bows down. What's he doing? He's showing complete humility here. This is about God's will being honored. God told me to come home. God wants us to make this right. And so I am face to the floor before you, praying that you will welcome me back. 
Now listen, if they had relived and rehashed the past, I don't know how Esau would have reacted. But because of Jacob's wisdom, his godliness, his preparation, and his great humility, here's what the Bible says. Genesis 33 verse 4, Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. What an awesome ending to that story. I would just say to you as we close today, that if you have someone in your life where there is a chasm between you, there is division and there is conflict, would you just take a moment and visualize what it would look like, what it would feel like, and what it would mean to God if you were able to embrace each other that way and put the past behind and restore peace? The seeking of that is what being a Christian is all about. I know that sin can stay in the way. Maybe Esau would have still had a poor attitude and rejected Jacob, But no matter the outcome, Jacob did what he was supposed to do, and that brought honor to God. And so I hope that you're willing to do that. Jacob has given us some incredible tools moving forward. So think about the people in your life and do everything you can to resolve a conflict. Thank you so much for listening today. If you would like to support this program, go check out our new website, excelstillmore.life. You can subscribe to emails there. There are book recommendations, show notes, lots of great things. We'd love for you to check it out. And don't forget to share this program with your friends if you think it'll help them. And you can always follow along on the Facebook page. And please remember, whatever you do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.